Hello and hope you're all well. Thank you for joining us on episode 6 of the Football Coaches Hub podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by Daniel Jones, who's currently assistant manager at Berkhamster Football Club in the Southern League while running his own business. He shares his playing and coaching pathway and what he's learned along his journey. He speaks about his coaching behaviours and how he manages performance within the first team at Berkhamsted, what a Dan Jones team might look like and how important it is to have an identity and which needs to be adaptable. Dan is a hugely respected coach by many players, coaches and managers in the game and he likes the game to be played in the right way. If you'd like to follow Dan on Twitter, his Twitter is below and you can listen to the podcast on all different platforms including Spotify. Many thanks and see you in the next one. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us, Stan. Uh, really appreciate your time. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having us on. Um, so we'll dive straight in with the first one. So um, first of all, I want you to tell us briefly about your uh, your playing days, your, your, your career playing-wise. Okay, yeah. So uh, I started off at my sort of local grassroots sort of side, um, which was a team called Asbury United, actually, at the time. And there wasn't, um, you know, it didn't go through the youth sections there. It was just actually created by uh, one of the sort of parents um, whose sort of kid played uh, played as well. And so I started started off there and it actually sort of didn't have a side for my sort of age group. So I ended up starting and playing sort of a year above myself. Um, so sort of then carried on sort of for the last so the, the couple of years sort of after that and coming through the age groups and things. So, yeah, originally started off obviously there. Um, and then that, my family actually moved over to sort of near Wickham Way. Um, and they ended up sort of playing again for, for a grassroots sort of side over there. Um, and that was actually run by my uncle. Um, so he ran the side. Um, and again, that was playing with a sort of children that were a year above myself and, and things. And so... In, in a way, that was sort of good because it gave me a good sort of grounding and, you know, playing against players that are a little bit physically stronger than you and a little bit quicker than you. Sort of it, it gave me a good grounding as to, you know, where I could sort of possibly go. Um, with, with that, with um, with the playing up an age group, like you said, you yeah. probably challenged a little bit more. I know, obviously, this country, we have single age banding. Yeah. Do you think that's something that benefited you massively? Yeah, yeah, I, I think so, because it just... You know, it gets you, I think it gets you ready for the sort of the, the physical element and it makes mm. you think sort of a little bit quicker, as I said, because the the players were, you know, physically sort of stronger and they were bigger than you. Yeah, I, I knew that I couldn't sort of compete sort of physically. So it's almost in a, another way, right? I, I know I can't compete with that, but can I be a little bit quicker in the mind sort of as yeah. I get the ball? You know, I know what I want to try and do. Can I see something before they might sort of see, you know, see a pass and... And things I think that that did help me definitely uh, with my sort of development and you know every everyone's different it you know it, it might not help sort of some people um and some sort of people might sort of struggle and don't feel comfortable with that and that's obviously absolutely fine and they might not be ready in their development as well to you know to do that so you know every, everyone's different but you know I can only speak for myself and I think for me I, I did definitely find it sort of beneficial um really, really valid it, point yeah really, yeah really good mate um yeah and then after that you obviously yeah so um playing for playing for the local grassroots side it was actually Penn and Penn and Tyler's at the time which obviously you yeah. know have played played against you when we were younger and things and 
Um, yeah, so I, uh, a scout actually came to watch uh, one of our games, just um, as a QPR scout. Um, and spoke to spoke to my brother because brother's sort of ten years older than me, and he's come through sort of as a player and and the coaching path and things as well. And he sort of helped run the team and spoke to my brother afterwards and, and said, you know, would it be possible if I could come down, you know, and do a six week trial? Um, so I did that. Um, it went really well. Um, but at the same time, uh, I had a, a phone call from Reading. Um, and I think they had been to watch as well and sort of said, you know, would I like to come down and trial there? And it was a little bit sort of difficult because I, I was obviously training with sort of QPR at the time and, you know, I, I didn't want to sort of, you know, I can play obviously for both and things. So it became a little bit difficult, but basically at the end of the, of the six week period, QPR offered me a, a sort of a contract, which was obviously great. And, um, you know, I was really obviously appreciative, but at the same time, I was then training with Reading because it worked out that they trained on sort of different days and things. So I could sort of get away with, you know, doing a little bit of both, if you like. Um, so I went on trial at Reading at the sort of same time. And I, I was honest and said to sort of QPR, look, you know, I, I've had another, you know, another scout sort of come to watch and, and has asked if, you know, I can go training there as well. And um, as it sort of happened, I, I ended up signing for Reading um, actually in the end. And that was, was, I think it was the under 12s, under 12 season. So, um, yeah, started sort of uh, in the academy at Reading, um, came sort of through the through the age groups and things and, and yeah, so started. Yeah, that's sort of how the the academy bit started. And with the uh, so you had the, obviously the choice between the two. What what was yeah. so appealing about the environment at Reading? I think it was. I think it was the facilities. Uh, it wasn't yeah. that long that the Madeski, where sort of Reading still are now, that that would you know that just been sort of built. I think, and then they had the the dome at the, at yeah, the ground. Yeah. They were just buying, I think, a new training ground at, at the time. And I just got the feel that, you know, it, it felt sort of right for, for me. I, I had a great time at sort of QPR and uh, the, the sort of lads and, the, and that there were brilliant. It was nothing sort of against, you know, nothing against them at all. But it was just the fact of the, you know, I, I guess I got pulled in with the facilities and, and things like that. I thought, oh, you know, it might be a good chance to sort of progress, progress here. So, yeah, that was a sort of that was the reason behind it. Um, so yeah, came through the sort of age group then, just to give sort of people a little bit of an sort of an insight and sort of young players that might be sort of listening as well. It's, so it got to the under fourteen sort of season, obviously coming through under twelves, under thirteens, um, and we used to have sort of regular six sort of about six to eight weeks sort of meetings uh, where sort of parents and things would go in with you and they discuss, you know, sort of how you're doing and, and what you what they think you're doing well, what you think you sort of can improve on. Um, and one of the things they sort of, they said to me is they didn't feel as though my athleticism was, was quite there. I was just very good sort of technically and, and on the ball and, and things were fine. But that sort of athleticism of the the way the sort of the game was going then, it's obviously it's progressed even more now. But yeah, I was playing fullback, I was playing left back at the time and they sort of said to me, it's, you know, you've got to be able to get up and down. And I, I could run, I could run all day mm. sort of long, but it was just that sharpness of, of getting somewhere sort of quickly, you know, that five sort of 10 yard burst. Um, so they sort of said to me, look, we feel as though you need to work on your on your speed. And th at the time I thought, well, you know, it's one of those things you've either got it or you, you know, you, you haven't. Um, 
so but they sort of gave me a training program and a, and a speed program to work on and I've got to say that after it's probably about three months obviously it takes a while it's not just going to obviously come sudden but I went away and worked on on they sort of gave me as I said they gave me a program to work on and, and went away and worked on it and after sort of three three four months I noticed in myself a, a sort of a difference it, no it wasn't obviously it didn't suddenly turn into Usain Bolt or, <laughs> <laughs> or anything like that but it was just that obviously that burst and, and being able to get yeah, somewhere yeah. a little bit quicker and you know, making sure the wide player didn't sort of get past me and I was able to, you know, join in a little bit more and things. So, you know, if somebody says to you, you know, that you've got to work on something, it, you know, if you do that and you're persistent with it, it you know, you can, you can sort of, it, it, it will help you and it will help you within your yeah. sort of development as you're, as you're growing up. Definitely, yeah. Obviously, academies, they have the triple P now and they do have um, people that are involved at the club that can obviously help with their development. But, like you said, is any any player that wants to improve something, all they've got to do is persevere, and then they've got to go out and train and, and obviously speak to the right people that will help them. Yeah, no, definitely, yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, so I went away and and sort of did that, and um, they sort of gave me sort of good good sort of feedback and as to what I was doing, and so I went through the under fifteen season, and um, again, obviously after those meetings, I, I was sort of got the impression that they sort of said to me, look, you're, you're doing really well and just sort of keep doing what you're doing and, and you know, and, and, and we'll see sort of how you go. So I went through went through the under-15 season sort of fine. Then it came obviously to the under-16 season where they obviously make the decisions, you know, after that under-16 season of, you know, if you're going to get a scholar or, you know, YTS, whatever you want to call it. Um, so it was must have been about six weeks into that season. I uh, broke my leg and ankle um, and it was enough in sort of I was just running with the ball and the lads come from the side of me and, and won the ball and obviously took a little bit of myself as well. So, you know, it was nothing malicious in it, um, but ended up so obviously breaking, breaking the leg and ankle and I was out for, out for about a year with that. Um, so having made, obviously got myself into, into that position at the end of the sort of midway through the, that sort of under 16 season we obviously all went in and you know they made the decisions on us and things and I thought they were going to say to me at the time look you know we'll give you we'll give you three to six months or whatever when you get yourself you know when we help you with your rehab and you get yourself sort of fully fit um then you know we'll, we'll get you sort of back in and we'll have you on a sort of non-contract and see sort of how you go from there or whatever yeah but, they sort of said to me, look, some sort of people were saying yes, some people were sort of saying no, but unfortunately for you, the, the people that are saying no are the ones that are making the decision. Wow. Uh, so you can imagine I was, you know, I was on the leg cast and I was in crutches and, you know, when you've, also what you've ever dreamed of is being a, you know, a footballer and things and to have it sort of like, you know, taken away from you, if you like, just like that made me, you know, and you come down and other lads are, are sort of sitting there and, you know, they could tell from some of my emotions. Obviously, I was devastated. I couldn't, mm. you know, hide it. And they came down, and you know, your sort of lads are sort of there going, like, "Did you get it?" Or and you're sort of like, you know, you walk out, sort of yeah. feeling so sort of dejected and and things. And you no, know, there was only that there was that thing, wasn't there, a couple of months ago? I don't know if you saw it with that Man City player. Man City player, yeah, yeah, sort of got got released. And you don't know, obviously, the circumstances and things behind it, but you know, you just think. Mental, sort yeah, of you mental. do. I've, I've, I've been there, and you and you literally think 
your world has ended, don't you? You you yeah. you had your you dreamed about it all your all your childhood. Every single day you woke up thinking, oh, I want to be a professional footballer. And yeah. then finally you get yourself in that sort of environment and uh and you sort of set your set your sights on on the on becoming a scholar and, and moving yeah. on through that. But yeah. as you as you know, uh, I think the stats are something like under one percent of players end oh, up yeah. playing for the first team. Yeah, it's just, it's minimal, uh, especially yeah. especially for you when you when you took an injury, it's uh, it's a massive setback, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I think at the at the time as well, we had a sort of a really successful sort of age group. Um, you know, played played with sort of lads that have gone on to make sort of real good careers in the mm-hmm. in the game, and I think it it was at the time. It's not now. I think now the under twenty three program and things have have become available but at the time I think for my age group it was the most successful in the sort of club's history for lads yeah. sort of coming coming through so you know whereas it might have only been sort of one or one or two sort of if that for an age group sometimes there was there was about six or seven lads mm-hmm. that sort of wow. made it from my age group which is which is quite obviously unusual wasn't it but um as I said now the under 23 sort of programs Sort of there, I don't think that's necessarily the sort of case now. But at the time, so that that I guess that made sort of me feel even, you know, sort of worse if you like, because I was one mm. of the ones that sort of didn't, and and the majority <laughs> sort of did. So you know that was that was hard to take. But at the same time, it you know it builds you for for the future yeah. and things. Like that. Um, so yeah, so having obviously left there, I sort of got myself. I was going back to to Reading sort of once a week doing my rehab and. And things like that, um, and then got myself back fit, and I went on trial at a couple of sort of different clubs, and and then trial at Wickham, and it was difficult because, you know, I hadn't played, hadn't played a game. Yeah, I was sort of training and trying to obviously get myself sort of back fit and that, and I was training at Wickham. They said to me, sort of, you know, we're we're impressed, but we just want to see you in a game, um, and that was the first obviously game that I played in about a year and a half, whatever it had been. Yeah. Obviously, I was nervous and going into a new environment, and I knew I had to do sort of well. So there's that pressure element sort of of it, as you know, too. And I didn't play sort of very well. And at the end of it, they sort of said to me, "Look, you know, you're not quite what we're sort of looking for." And so I'd obviously had gone from a setback at Reading, trying to get myself sort of back fit. Then I got went obviously to Wickham, and it, it's just that sort of knock back again, and it sort of starts to affect your, you know, it starts to affect your confidence, and you're then thinking, mm-hmm. "Oh, you know." Maybe it's not meant to, you know, maybe it's not meant to be. And so left, yeah, left there and then um, went on trial at Oxford United um, and actually ended up signing for Oxford United. But it was on a, sort of a non-contract uh, basically because they'd given out all their scholars and things sort of before. Um, so I did that um, and I was there for probably about four months. Um, but just going going into that environment, it just didn't, I just didn't really settle. And I thought yeah. like the lads, I don't know whether it was a, cause I was actually, I started my coaching. So I should, I should have said, I started my coaching journey after um, my child at Wickham sort of didn't work out. So I started off doing sort of after school clubs in, in, in schools and, and I was doing an MVQ program, like football program at the time. Um, and then, so I went on trial at Oxford, but I was going in on a Friday um, and then playing the youth team games on a Saturday. Um, and obviously all of the rest of the boys, are, you know, were in every day and, you know, like a, like a sort of a scholar does. And I think they sort of, I don't know whether they thought I was, 
you know, who's this coming in? I'm just coming in once a week on a Friday and playing sort of a youth team game on a Saturday and things. And I just didn't feel comfortable in sort of, they made me sort of feel a little bit uncomfortable within that environment. And yeah. Of, and I just didn't sort of really settle. And I look back now and I think, you know, I had a chat with the youth team manager at the time and I think, well, should I maybe have stuck it out and, but, and, and sort of seen where it goes. But at the time, obviously, when I was 17, 18, well, I was 17, I think, at the time, and I just wasn't enjoying it. And, you know, I had a few friends that were playing for quite a good youth team at the time. And I thought, well, maybe I'd, I'd just go and sort of play play with them. And, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, in so the was end, this, at, at this point, would you say that was the tipping point? So obviously, you started coaching yeah. and you probably got a little taste for, for coaching. Was yeah. this sort of the tipping point where you probably realised that maybe to make it at the top level, you weren't quite going to get there? Was yeah. this a tipping point for you that you pursue your coach? Because as we know, you're a very, very good coach. So this might have been something that obviously tipped it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I was under the sort of mindset, look, if I come out of, because I've been in that environment since I was sort of 12. And, you know, I, I was in the mindset of, look, if, if I go and play, you know, in, in non-league, for example, then... You know, if I'm good enough, uh, you know, it might yeah. get word gets round or, you know, there's a good 18, 19 year old sort of playing in non-league, you know, go and have a look and, and things. But yeah, I, I mean, the bottom the bottom line is, that, you know, I, I wasn't obviously quite good enough to 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 achieve, obviously, being a being a professional footballer. And the next for me, the next best thing was was going into coaching and, you know, speaking to, you know, players about my experiences and gaining experience as a coach and, you know, and I, th I think that's helped me on the sort of the path that that I am now. As I said, if you know, if I wasn't going to make it as a as a professional footballer, you know, the the next best thing was coaching, if you like. So yeah, amazing. And uh, so, what what was your first role within coaching? Where were you? So you did like holiday camps and after school yeah, and stuff, yeah. did you? Yeah. So I started I started off working on, um, for a coaching company that sort of delivered after school. For, like it was primarily football to start with, mm -hmm. um, like football after school clubs. Um, and then sort of going in and, and teaching sort of pre like football sort of PE within the within the schools. Um, at the same time, I was doing I think I said earlier I was doing an MVQ program uh, for in, in football coaching sort of program. Um, so I managed to get sort of qualifications and, and that through that. Um, and then yeah, and then the company changed its path. So they they didn't sort of just deliver football. They delivered sort of like multi sport if you like all different types of sports and sort of going into schools and and delivering basketball and hockey and, and lots of different things. Um, so that's how sort of it originally started. Um, and uh, with, and with the, obviously that sort of role, obviously yeah. sometimes um, any, any, any coach that I sort of speak to uh, any good coach, they always have um, a bit of a grounding. And that, what I mean by that is that how they started sort of a lot of good coaches, they start in community programs or they start in a school yeah. program. And how how much of a how much did it lay the foundations for you? So obviously sometimes you'd probably walk into a school and and you'd sort of have a, a twenty by twenty school hall with about thirty yeah. kids and and two football. Yeah. So yeah, you, how, how did yeah. that start? Yeah, no, yeah, definitely, definitely. I think when you when you look back and and also it's it, it's not just sort of the the children, even sort of the adults obviously work at sort of different levels and have got different sort of abilities and things. And I think the the thing that stuck out for me to start off with as a coach is the difference with the abilities and, and things and making 
obviously in PE lessons and, and for the children and that you obviously want to make it as fun and fun as you can but it's that same time of pushing those sort of children on that are a little bit yeah, more yeah. capable and those children that might sort of be struggling a little bit it's so it, it, it's a kind of art if you like because you're you know you're thinking well you know little Tommy who's doing really well isn't now really enjoying it because he's getting bored because he's comfortable doing the you know doing the task yeah. that you might have set him um but but the other sort of little child isn't isn't sort of progressing as well as that so you know then then it's an art of, of making it sort of fun but progressing the children at the you know the same time um, just, just just for an example for any coaches watching um yeah. so let's say you've got we call him johnny little johnny who who is striving in the lesson mm. um and let's say we're doing a i don't know a, a, just a dribbling session in pe what yeah. what would you do to push him on I think, you know, if it's, it might just be if, if everybody's lucky enough to, to have a football each and, and things like that, it might just be something as simple. It doesn't, sometimes you can overcomplicate things and it, it doesn't have to, you know, be anything absolutely amazing. It might just be, you know, if he's using his right foot all of the time, and he's comfortable doing that. It might be right now. Can you, can you try and use your left foot? Can you use yeah, different good. parts of your you know different parts of your foot can you use the sole of your foot can you use the inside can you use the outside and yeah, yeah. you know so you're constantly setting setting him challenges so he's sort of thinking no oh, you know i'm not i'm not getting bored and as well as you know he might be doing something different to everybody else and the other children might be thinking well you know he's doing something completely different to what i'm doing but you know as long as everybody's being challenged and they're having fun and you can progress it or regress it so whenever you can, then, then I think that's a yeah, that's an important skill to have. I think. Good answer. Um, good mate. And then after that, so you obviously gave you your grounding, and then what yeah. happened after that? Um, so yeah, so after that, um, continued sort of delivering lessons in in, in schools and things. And um, there was a program actually at Oxford City um, that was a football program. Um, and actually, I think my brother was involved in the first team. I don't think he was manager at that time. I think he was assistant manager, but he was sort of um, he was helping with a college program there. And, and at the time, there was I think there was about six or seven lads at the Oxford City that were full time. Uh, that mm. that um, I don't know if you can remember. They had that Spanish, Spanish. yeah, yeah that's the futsal players, and yeah, that's it. They had sort of quite a lot of those lads come over, and they were sort of training every day, and and they were training with the. Uh, with the sort of youth team sort of boys, if you like, that were there. Um, so I started sort of helping out with that. And, and that was a good experience because, you know, at the time, I think I was only 20, 22, 23. And, and being in that environment with sort of lads that were in the conference or the, or the National North, I think it was at the time. Um, and, you know, building my sort of confidence and coaching sort of lads with, who had sort of the ability, obviously, to play at that level was you know, was really important for me, I think, in my sort of progress as a, as a coach and sort of trying. And I was very fortunate uh, sort of throughout the, the age groups at Reading to, to have worked with sort of some, with some really good coaches that have gone on to, you know, to have sort of really successful careers in, in their sort of programme. So I think that, that gave me sort of a good grounding as well because I always showed an interest in, in the coaching sort of side of it, even as a player. Um, yeah. And you, you take, I think you take little bits out of out of people's sessions and and things, and you think, oh, that that was good. I remember when I sort of did that, or I didn't really enjoy that. So I, I still sort of think of it as a you know as a player of what I sort of enjoyed 
and enjoy sort of yeah. doing at the time and, and things. And I think that's helped me too. Um, so yeah, was was in sort of that environment, and that was that was really good. Um, and then I had a couple of couple of years at, at coaching at Watford uh, within the academy there. Um, just I was assisting assisting another coach, and that I started off with the under thirteens um, there, and then uh, I was assistant coach of the under fifteens. Um, so that gave me, you know, again being in going from obviously being a player in that environment to then being a coach obviously in that environment was you know you know was pretty sort of good and again you get to watch of other people's sort of sessions and and you get to work with players you know and help them sort of try and obviously progress and and that was yeah that was interesting and that was you know that also gave me I think a good grounding of of sort of where you know where I am now if you like being yeah. in that environment. So obviously moving through those roles, you've got a really good contrast of roles there, especially in your early days. You've, you've sort of worked with all different ages all the way up to obviously senior football. Um, yeah. How, how does your behaviours change with each age group? So obviously you've got, you've got the foundation and probably kids that just want to pick their nose yeah. and roll around on the floor. <laughs> and, then you, and then obviously the under-13s, you, and you, you are generally dealing with some very, very yeah. good under-13 players. As you know, you're going to an academy session I remember when I first went into a, uh, an academy session at sort of under 12s and I was blown away by how good they were. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then all the way through to obviously first team lads that obviously are training every day. So sort of how, how does your behaviours and how does your style change? Yeah. Yeah. I think the way you, you know, the way you speak to sort of obviously the children is a little bit different to obviously how you would, you know, how you'd speak to an adult, if you like. And, and I, I was quite fortunate because, when I went into that sort of coaching environment at Watford, I, I wasn't sort of the, you know, I wasn't the lead coach, if you like. I was the assistant sort of coach. So, mm. you know, I, I could I could sit back a little bit and have a sort of look at how sort of the, the lead coach, if you like, did things and, you know, how the players sort of responded to that and, you know, what they found sort of quite sort of easy, what they found sort of difficult, if you like. Yeah. So I, I, th I think sort of being able to, you know, take that little step back and, and then go in and sort of coach within that, but not being the lead coach, you know, was was good for me as well to sort of learn. Um, yeah, I, I think the communication, I'd probably say, is a mm. you know is a biggest thing yeah. of how, how you talk to, you know, how you talk to people, and you know, you, as I said, you would talk to sort of a child, obviously slightly different to how you would talk talk to an adult. So yeah, I think the communication thing is a is a sort of massive part of it. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm glad you said that because. Um... Obviously, coaches get so bogged down in X's and O's and and sessions and, and this and that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it, a lot of it just comes down to people, doesn't it? And, and it does. Yeah. It. it does. And um, I, I think if you, you know, I, I've heard so many people say it, but it's true. You, you can be the best coach sort of in the world, but if you can't, you haven't got that rapport with players and you can't communicate yeah. with them, you know, they're not going to buy into you know, into your Correct. ideas and things. So, yeah, communication, I think, is is massive, yeah. Good stuff. Right, so Watford, what happened after that? Yeah, so, um, yeah, unfortunately, I left Watford because it just didn't fit in with what I was sort of doing at the time. Obviously, Watford wasn't a full-time job. It was obviously part-time. Um, and I had my full-time, obviously, job on the side. And I was, I was sort of basically leaving work early to get over to Watford because they were training sort of early because I had to... Basically, some of the kids um, went to school there. It was a Harefield Academy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and some of the kids 
basically the idea was the kids that were doing really well basically went to the school and, and things like that. So they they basically trained quite early. So I was leaving them to leave work early to, to get over to training. So and I just couldn't do it in the end. It just became sort of a little bit too much. So I came out of that environment, which was a little bit of a shame because obviously being in that environment, you're, you're only going to obviously grow as a coach and, and learn different things. But I had to come out of that. Um, and then set up my own coaching actually company um, a few years after that, um, going into schools, delivering sort of PE programs and delivering football programs and, and things. And um, so, yeah, that's that, that's been good. Obviously, it's been a challenge, obviously, setting up my own sort of company and things, but I've enjoyed doing that. Um, so, yeah, that sort of coaching side of it. But I was obviously playing still at the time. Um, yeah. I just signed for playing for Burke Hampstead who obviously I'm, I'm still with now as assistant manager um, so I was playing and got to and got to about 28 29 I just had so many injuries and it was sort of one thing one thing after another and I, I ended up having sort of a knee problem and I knew that you know something wasn't sort of quite right and I, I knew that I'd got to you know obviously I, I was 27 28 29 I wasn't obviously going to make it as a as a professional or anything now. So, and then the, the coach um, or the manager, sorry, at the time sort of said to me, look, you know, would you be interested in, in doing a little sort of bit of coaching and putting on sessions and, and things for us. And obviously having gained experiences throughout the, throughout the years, um, you know, I felt pretty confident sort of taking, taking sessions and things, but I say the biggest, the biggest thing for me was obviously I'd gone from them being a player, so then obviously being a coach and it was almost like, well, I was a little bit worried and maybe worried is not sort of quite the right word, but maybe a little bit curious as to, you know, as I said, I've gone from being a coach to a player, sorry, to a coach. How are the lads sort of going to respond and to yeah, me? Yeah. But I think once you show sort of your, you know, your, your knowledge and you hopefully sort of, you know, know what you're talking about and you can put on sort of good sessions and, and things I, I think that you gain the sort of players respect from you know from from doing that um especially that, uh at Burke Hampstead, you had a you had a real good environment didn't you you had uh, two good managers and the players were obviously all on the same page so I suppose that yeah. helped didn't it yeah yeah massively I mean um Lee Bertram and, and Steve Bateman and, and now Hemel in the in the national um in the national south and they were really good they were really good to me and we all had you know, we all had our sort of strengths and, and things. And Lee and uh, Steve, well, I think, will be first to admit that, you know, coaching wasn't their, you know, you know main main attribute, if you like. They were very, very good at other things. But that's where I sort of came into it because I was yeah. obviously felt comfortable, obviously, coaching. And and so, yeah, it, it was good because I learned, obviously, off off of them both and how they sort of did different things and uh, and things. So, yeah, so it gave me, yeah, it's given me a good grounding. So. Good stuff, mate. Good. Um, and then we're, we're going to move on. So we're going to talk about uh, Burkhamster a little bit and um, just the environment at Burkhamster for the players. So how important is it to set a, a good environment for the players to obviously express themselves and, and yeah. do what they get? Yeah, it, yeah it, is. it is massive. But I think at the same time, you, you've got to, you know, as much as you want to create a professional environment and things for the players, I think you've got to also understand the level that the you know you're at yeah, yeah. as well. You know, it, it's not you know, as much as you try to do things sort of professionally and, and things, it's not a, it's not a professional football club. And, and, you know, the lads have got their own sort of, you know, football is a little bit of a hobby for some, some, some lads want to progress sort of the younger, 
you know, the younger lads want to play obviously as high as they can and, and things. So, yeah, I mean, now we've got all the all the games are, are videoed, um, which is good because obviously you can show players sort of little clips and, and things. And, and sometimes, you know, it's like I, I did it as a player. You, you might have a manager sort of tell you something and you're thinking, oh, like, well, I didn't think I sort of did that, you know. And then, but if you can show them on a, you know, on a clip or whatever it might be, they're there and they're able to see that you know that so there's no there's no hiding place if you like which is yeah which, which is which is good and I think it's good for the not only that it's you know it might might be for the players you know a certain attribute that they need to do a little bit better but also look you can show them a clip when you as a wide player for example do you remember when you skipped past that lad and what did you do there? That was brilliant, you know. So it's not also used. For... It's, it's powerful, isn't it? It's it yeah, powerful. It is. The cl clubs it I've is. been at that have used it. Um, I've probably improved my game through that season. And often when I'm not showing anything and I'm not giving any feedback, I'll sort of stand still and think I'm doing the right things all the time. Yeah, it's powerful, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. It is definitely. Um, and obviously, the, you know, the, the training environment and things as well. Um, you know that that helps. Um, mm. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, we do try and create a professional environment, and you know it's important that the lads, you know, are on time for training and you know match days and, and things like that. And you know, hopefully they prepare properly and they don't go out on a on a Friday night and things like that. But you can obviously only do so. You know, that's then down to the players and things to take responsibility for themselves. But yeah, it, we do try and create a professional mm -hmm. environment. Um, but as, yeah, as well, yeah. obviously understanding the level that uh, you know. The level that we're at. Yeah, I've I've seen that. I've seen, um, especially at non-league. Obviously, players go to work. Generally, they would have full-time jobs, and they and they go to work for the day, um, and then they get to training. And the manager yeah. wants to wants to do a step-by-step -step yeah. pattern of play where you don't yeah. hardly break a sweat. And I'm no, and I, yeah. I, as as a player, I used to get frustrated. I used to yeah. think, oh, can't no, wait to get the training, like high-tempo session, get the ball moving around. Um, and then we can work, maybe work on some pattern and stuff at the end. But yeah. often you get managers that want to work on this, work on that. And it's a bit frustrating. So I suppose yeah. that's, I suppose it, that's a hard thing to try and um, engage yeah. the, the, the intensity of the session. Yeah. And I think it's finding like exactly that. It's finding that sort of balance, I think, because, mm. you know, to you, you might have seen something at the weekend that, that maybe you thought you could do a little bit better and you can work on that within training. But at the same time, you know, if the lads have stood around for half an hour for, you know, for, for an hour session, you know, that's half an hour of the session gone. You know, you might be working on set pieces, for example. But if you can, you know, like you say, the lads have been at work all day and do they want to stand stand still for half an hour, you know, doing set pieces? Probably not. You know, I wouldn't mm. as a as a player. And, as I said, I still sort of think of it on, on the both sides and what I sort of like doing. And don't get me wrong, obviously, if if you know, conceding set piece after set piece and, and things, it's got to be worked on. But yeah. Um yeah, it's just obviously finding that balance of, you know, getting the getting the sort of session right for the for the players. Yeah. Good stuff. Um and good. Uh, next one so we're talk, just gonna talk about managing players. So obviously mm -hmm. you are gonna get players that are performing very well and they're gonna be consistent. Um and then you're gonna get players that dip in form. Um, as a management team, is it something that you all sort of try and dip in with or is a yeah. manager that takes reins of that? Yeah, I, I think as, you know, obviously as an assistant manager, I'm not the manager. So, you know, it's important that you don't obviously undermine the manager. You know, at, at the end of the day, the manager's a manager. You're there to obviously to, to assist him and, and things. So, yeah, I think if the manager is happy, 
you know, happy with you sort of communicating with the players and you're all sort of singing off the singing off the same hymn sheet, if you like. You know, he's the manager's not saying one thing and I'm sort of saying something yeah. completely different and the players are going, well, you know, what you're saying one thing, the manager's saying something totally different, so it doesn't work. So, you know, it's important that you're both, you know, you're both singing off the same sort of hymn sheet, if you like. Um, and also players players now respond to sort of different ways of communicating and yeah. you know you, you might be in a changing room and you know somebody might respond quite well to to a bit of a bollocking if you like and, and and other players sort of don't you know and you go out and think oh maybe that wasn't the right way to speak to that player because they don't respond to so that side of it as well is you know is important because everybody's different you know some mm. lads like a, an arm around their shoulder and and to be sort of told you know how great they are if you like <laughs> Um, that's me mate it's true it's true true. um and then other players but other players respond to a little bit of a bollocking to get them to get themselves going um and with the arm around the shoulder thing i don't think you know it's just different styles and there's nothing wrong with that um that's again it's again throwing it back to people you if you if you know your players you know exactly what what they like and what they don't like and what how you're going to get the best out of them yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. And I, I think that's where the, you know, that's where the game's changed a little bit now, because I think mm. people when, you know, there's so much, you know, you watch Monday Night Football, for example, there's so much analysis of, of things now and the way, you know, the way football is and obviously you've got the social media side of it and and, and things. I think there's, yeah, I, I think, you know, there's different ways of, of doing different things and, and, and obviously, <laughs> one that made me laugh. I, I see a video the other day of Barry Fry just absolutely yeah. roasting the players in the changing room, and yeah. I just think, I, I, don't get me wrong, I've seen that app. Like obviously, if your if your performance is really really bad, and and sometimes you, you do need that <laughs> kick up the upside, but I don't see it as often anymore. I don't nah. see that nah. that hair dryer treatment nah. um, as often anymore. No, nah. I, I I think there is a place for it. Mm. I, I think at, at times, you know, but. I think if you're constant, you know, if the if the lads aren't playing well, you know, and you're constantly sort of getting into them, if you like, it it doesn't have the effect, you know, because yeah. you're constantly sort of, you know, on on the, on the lads' sort of case, if you like. So yeah, it's just getting that 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 balance right. Of sometimes, sometimes I do believe they've got to be told, look, that isn't good enough. You know, we expect mm-hmm. we expect more, and then other times. Well, I suppose I suppose you want any player. Don't get me wrong, like they don't mind being told, but I think sometimes they're just told. They're just told the yeah. negative thing yeah. without any any sort of constructive criticism on how yeah. they can maybe improve that. Yeah, exactly. I just find that a lot, especially in first team environments, because it's results, it's results. Like you're just, yeah. told, you're just told sometimes that you're doing something wrong yeah. but without actually being told how to put it Given right. A, yeah, no, nah, yeah, I agree. I agree, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree. Good. Right. Um, well done. So we'll go on. We'll go on to the last few, mate. So, um, why don't you tell me a coach that you admire or have been inspired, inspired by? Now, obviously, I know um, you had a good um, mentor, if you like, in, in your brother. So that might be someone. But if you can yeah, tell me, yeah, yeah, brother, brother, definitely. Um, you know, obviously, as I said, I think I said earlier, there's a ten years sort of age gap um, sort of between us, and he's had sort of good grounding as a. You know, he's, he was a. Uh, a young footballer at Watford came through sort of the age groups and it was a YTSA, didn't get a professional contract and he'd gone on a similar sort of path sort of to me, if you like, you know, he then went into mm. coaching and, and has managed at a sort of a good level and been within sort of the, 
different academy environments. I think he was he was academy manager at Stevenage for a little bit, and then he went to Watford and and done the twelves to sixteens and. And as the Yeovil was first team coach and, and things for a little bit, so yeah, definitely, I, I would say, I would say some of my sort of coaching methods now are, are things that I've seen sort of from definitely from from my brother as well. Um, I think another one from sort of going back to the Reading days was was probably Brendan Rogers as well. From obviously everybody knows, obviously less the Leicester manager, and at the time when when was I he, was, was he a cat. Academy manager was he? Ready? No, he wasn't. No? I think he was academy manager a couple of years after I'd left. Um, oh. so academy manager at the time was a chap called Nicky Hammond, and I think he went on to to work at West Brom and, and things as well for a little bit. But yeah, so Brendan at the time he was, I think he was under 18s manager, and I never forget. I was I was at the ground. And I think I was I was under 13s, under 14s at the time. And I think the, a couple of the sort of the managers were in a, in a room and I went in there for something. I can't remember what it was. And, but I always remember thinking, he, I sort of went in and he knew my name straight away. And that just little things, you know, just little things like that. He was the under 18 sort of manager. And, you know, I was only in the under 13s, under 14s, but he knew who I was and, you know, where I played and knew my name. And for me, that made me sort of, you know, feel really special. Dollars. With like and, yeah. yeah. And that's sort of something that, that sort of stuck with me. And, he, you know, he spent that time getting to know sort of people. And, you know, he just he wasn't just worried about, you know, what he was doing with, with his group that he had. You know, he, he, he was sort of, you know, wanted to know everything about sort of individuals and people and, and things. So that was something that has always sort of stuck with me. And you're, you're, not, the, um, you're not the only one that I've, I've said that about him. And it's no surprise now that... Uh, I don't know if you saw James Madison's uh, interview uh, after the game the yeah. other day. Just yeah. everyone seems to speak so highly about him, and you can see on the pitch every player puts in a real shift for him. Um, and that's probably exactly the reason you just mentioned about how how, how good he is. Uh, obviously, understanding people and people, and, yeah, and remem- remembering the finer details that people appreciate, and yeah. little things like that go a long way, don't they? And, and obviously, getting getting players to want to play for you. Yeah, massively, massively, and when. Obviously, you see, you know, you keep sort of chats on people to see sort of how they're doing and, and things. And mm. I think obviously after he was academy manager at Reading, obviously for a little bit, and then I think he, I think he went away and went abroad and things for and done some mm. studying, and and then he went over to Chelsea, I think, didn't he, with with Mourinho yeah. and and worked his way up to I think he then went to reserve team manager at Chelsea, didn't he, and then got obviously a break at Watford and Swansea and obviously at Liverpool and. And obviously Leicester now, and you know, you, you just think, you know, from being in that environment that I saw him at, at Reading, you know, you can only admire, you know, mm. now where he's, you know, the level that he's he's got himself to, and yeah. So yeah, yeah definitely, I, I, you know, I look up to, you know, because I've obviously been lucky enough to be in that environment. I definitely look up to to somebody like that, and I think why wouldn't you, you know, when somebody's got to obviously the level and that that he has, yeah. Um, Massive. Good. Right. Um, what advice would you give any young coach wanting to pursue a um, sort of coaching? Uh, I, I think it's, you know, just get, get yourself out there and, and, and get as much experience as you can and go and watch games and, you know, study. And as I said, just little things like, yeah, you know, there's so much football on at, at the moment and just watching as, as, as many games as you can and going out and watching as many live sort of games as you can and, you know, some people, 
I've heard some people sort of say before, oh, that's that's busy, you know, getting yourself. But sometimes, you know, you've got to do that. And there's nothing mm. wrong with that. And I, I think sometimes the people that sort of say, oh, he's just sort of being a little bit busy and it, it, it's almost like it sometimes can come across as a little bit of a jealousy sort of type thing. You know, yeah, there's yeah. not, there nothing wrong with, you know, getting your gaining experience and watching sort of people and getting yourself out there. And so, yeah, I think for me, would yeah, definitely be going out and gaining as much experience and learning from people and, and also sort of studying the game and and if you're you know you're taking sessions and and things also you know writing down afterwards you know how you mm. sort of like basically like blogging i suppose you know yeah. how how the session went you know was there things that that went really well that the players enjoyed was there certain things you maybe thought you sort of didn't do particularly great and the players didn't sort of respond to it and because you're only you know that's how you're going to improve by you know giving yeah, yeah. sort of critique if you like after sessions and and things on on what worked and what didn't and I think that will help you you know as you as you as you're on your coaching journey as well brilliant excellent um so just for you now what's uh what's your aspirations where's the next step for Dan uh yeah I, th I think you know continue you can never stop learning you know I think mm. continue to sort of learn off, off different people and watch sort of different things and what I'd like to I think what I'd like to do is try and get my sort of self into you know environment where I can go and watch your professional team sort of train and, and things I think yeah. that's important and and that will help you with your sort of development and and I've, I've got lucky enough to have got a couple of contacts that I might sort of be able to go and do that so that's something obviously at the moment it's difficult with the with the COVID situation but it's something that I you know I'm definitely interested in doing because I think that will sort of that will only can only help you, can't it? Um, yeah. And management, yeah. would you uh, would you like to to step into the shoes of, of a management? Uh, or? Yeah, 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 potentially. Um, also, you know, obviously, obviously, as you get a little bit older, yeah, I've got my obviously business now. So, mm. you know, as much as we love, we all love football. You know, the business obviously has has to come first because you know that's a, you know that's that's the income if you like. You know, we we almost do the. You know the level that we're at. Sometimes we always do the football as a as a bit of a hobby. If you, if you get some managers are lucky enough, obviously to get coaches are lucky enough to get paid for for doing yeah. what they're doing. Others obviously aren't. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm ambitious and I want to obviously try and get as high as I can. But you know, learning learning is massive. Um, so continue to learn and and see where sort of that takes me. For like, good stuff. Right, I've got one more question for you. So. Um... Obviously, there's lots of talk about philosophy and stuff for, for coaches, and yeah. there's lots of talk about it in the in the FA um, courses and stuff like that. But um, what what what, would, what does a Dan Jones team look like? So what type what type of style? Yeah, yeah. I think you've you've got to have an identity. Uh, I think the and you've got to have the players obviously to to buy into that. You know, it, I'm I'm all for sort of playing through the thirds and and things like that. But again, at the same time lots of things dictate to that you know at our level you go to places and the, the pitches aren't great and you know if you're asking lads to sort of be popping it about some you know it, it's different it's difficult um so i think you've got to be flexible and, and adaptable to different situations but I'd, I'd probably say you know without the ball i like energy the high sort of high intensity and trying to win the ball back quickly you know, obviously it's better to have the ball than, than not have it, isn't it? So, yeah, I, I would say sort of a high press, trying to get in, sort of being aggressive, trying to sort yeah. of get into, 
you know, into sort of people's sort of faces if you like and disrupt sort of their their sort of fluidity. Um, and then with the ball, um, yeah, I, I would say you know, obviously in an ideal world, you want to sort of try and try and play through the thirds and. You know, if you can complete 30 passes and then end up sticking it in the top corner, you know, it's everybody's, you know, it's, a, it's everybody's dream, isn't it? But I the think you've got to be... faithful. We love that one, would they? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think, you've, you know, you've got to be flexible to the players and things that you've got. You know, it's, yeah. it's no good asking, you know, if lads aren't, aren't comfortable sort of playing out from the back, for example, then, you know, you're going to come unstuck. So it's also, you know, getting players that are comfortable doing sort of things and playing to... Playing to players' strengths, um, you know, it is massive because at the end of the day, you know, if they're not comfortable doing something, you know, it, it comes back to you as a as a manager yeah. or as a coach, I think, and you know, it will only reflect on on you because at the end of the day, if you know something isn't working, it's much easier to get rid of a you know a coach or a manager than it is a squad of 18, mm. 20 players, isn't it? So. Yeah, being no. adaptable and, and flexible, so, I think, is massive to to the environment that you're in, if you like. Yeah, totally agree. Um, it would be nice to, to have a nice little pot of money like Man City and, and go and buy the yeah. type of players that you want to fit what you to want to play. Moment. But exactly, yeah. But it doesn't doesn't work like that, unfortunately. Um, a, a lot of clubs, especially probably at the back of uh, out of COVID, won't have the resources to be able to go and get get players. So. Like you said, you've got to be adaptable and um, yes, it's exactly how it needs to be. Yeah, it? I think yeah, I, I sort of look at it as a, you know, as a, as a player, what did I, you know, what mm. didn't I like sort of playing against? And I, I think nowadays the way the game is, that pace is massive. Mm. I think if you can, you know, if you've got wide players and forwards that are quite dynamic and can get behind and stretch the game and, you know, the, the pace is, it's hard to defend against, you know, if somebody quick and, and they can get past you if you're a fullback or or a centre half, and so yeah, I think if you you know if you can have a little bit of a sort of a pace element to to your to your team as well, you know I think that will you know that will help you. Obviously, there's lots of other elements around that, but yeah. you know pace is pace is a big sort of attribute I think nowadays. Yeah, Dan, uh, been a pleasure, mate. Thank you very much for joining us. You're welcome. Um, Thanks for having us. Um, and obviously, take care of yourself, and uh, and I'll I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, I'll speak to you soon. Cheers, Ad. All the best, mate. Cheers, mate.